0: So, we're going to start the episode with this. It has nothing to do with football whatsoever, but it might be the craziest thing I've heard in a while. Something that I had to double check was not like an Onion article or something, but the Enhanced Games. If you have not heard of this, the Enhanced Games are a December slated event dubbed the Olympics on steroids, where athletes will not be subjected to drug tests and performance enhancers before competitions. This is kind of crazy i've never really heard of this a lot of reactions have mostly been negative but it has financial support with a couple billionaires what do you think about a ped enhanced olympics personally for me i thought the great thing about the olympics was the fact that you were seeing humans at great physical shape training themselves to an elite level and competing and An enhanced version kind of cuts all the rules. I understand someone that does roids is going to be able to hit home runs out of the entire ballpark. But I would rather know that I could see someone at their natural best, someone that's worked hard, worked decades to try and get to their spot. That's what makes the Olympics so well. Now, we know that cheating already exists in sports. There are baseball players that get caught every year juicing or getting performance enhancers to try and hit home runs or pitchers cheating baseball. There's always people that have drug uh, tests that fail. There's people whose careers have been ruined by that. Lance Armstrong, uh, the famous cyclist, he had his whole personality platform, everything destroyed when it came out that he was using performance enhancers. So. Yes, in normal uh, sport, we have had conflicts when it comes to people cheating and trying to get an advantage. But the majority of the people, I'd like to at least believe, are clean. They have to do drug testing. They have to make sure that they are not using performance enhancers. And when they get caught with those, they usually face a penalty and get shamed in that sports realm. You know, someone like Barry Bonds, who most likely will not make the Hall of Fame due to his use of performance enhancers. But what do you think of the enhanced games? The fact that people will be able to use uh, steroids and performance-enhancing drugs? Personally, for me, I think it's more interesting to see what the human body can do in a natural state. I don't think it's healthy for your body to use in performance enhancers and... Um, Steroids. There are negative effects that come from it, and um, honestly, I, as someone that uh, has played sports, I would never want to feel like someone has an advantage over me. And I like the feeling of knowing that I win a competition based on what I was able to do mentally and physically. Was I mentally tougher than my opponent? Was I physically tougher than my opponent? Was I able to outsmart them? Was I just a, a physically more dominant person because I had exercised more? I had trained my body more the feeling of the enhanced games feels like a shortcut it feels like you know i i just feel it, it's very controversial i guess what do you think about it do you care do you not care how do you think it will go this is just something random we had to talk about for a little bit we usually do football talk here on max sports but man this just seems crazy i mean i i don't know i i thought this was something that was worth sharing on the podcast i'd love to know what you guys think about it it is a real thing It is not made up. The Steroid Olympics. Welcome to 2024. Let's get the episode started. You know, thinking about it after that intro, maybe it is right. We want everybody to use the NFL Play 60 method. You remember that? I remember that as a kid. You need to get 60 minutes of exercise, no matter who you are. Even if you're a roided up Hulk you still need to be able to get some exercise. So maybe it's good promoting the PED Olympics. I, I don't know anymore. Um, today's episode, I want to start off with a question. I will be making my episode anyway, but I want to ask a question to the listeners out here. I'll be making a Facebook post with it. So if you're a fan of the page, if you follow the page, please leave your feedback because your feedback will mess with what kind of content we're going with moving forward. I want to make stuff that I know you want to listen to. so. As we still have almost a full week before the Super Bowl, we have a lot of time. And with a lot of time, we have a lot of things to talk about. And I'm not going to fill segments with stuff you don't want to listen to. So, as this week progresses, do you want to just hear Super Bowl talk? Do you want to hear NFL offseason talk with head coaches, hirings, firings? Do we already want to start talking about NFL draft stuff? It's up to you. I'm fine doing any of that. I can find a good show for you no matter what kind of topic we're going with here. And, you know, again, if something big comes out out of nowhere, it's like, oh, wow, you know, we got to talk about this huge trade that happened to where, wow, this big-name player is retiring from the game. Obviously, we'll we'll be talking about that. But for the time being, we do have some time where we'll have dead periods from now until Super Bowl Sunday. And, man, we will have a lot of that after Super Bowl Sunday. So, if you have a thought on a topic that you would like to have an episode made about, you know, again, whether it's, uh, I want a mock draft. I want to know what my team is going to be drafting. I want to know the biggest free agents coming around in the NFL. I want to know how the Senior Bowl went. I want to know what kind of coaches could be fired or hired next year. I want a power rankings for next year. You know what? Honestly, that sounds like a kind of fun one. Predicting the power rankings for 2024. 2025 season. I think that would be a pretty interesting one. So that that is kind of what I'm asking if you guys would like um, how, how you would like your content. So please let me know what you think about that. As we get in today's episode, I want to start with a feel good story of the day. Ravens tight end Mark Andrews. We all know him. He's a baller on the field, probably a top three, four tight end in all of football right now. He's been the number one weapon for uh, Lamar Jackson pretty much in the entire time. uh, This core has been together. He had a feel good story of the week where he went out and assisted a person on a flight who was having a medical emergency. He is actually a diabetic, and he helped a woman who was experiencing a medical emergency on a flight. He was able to help provide a diabetic testing kit and helped lead the woman to be stabilized for the rest of the flight. I mean, hats off to him. I know a lot of athletes sometimes get criticism, but there are really great people out there in this world that also play sports. Round of applause to Mark Andrews for winning the good guy of the week award. Um, Other stuff. That has taken place in the NFL. We just had the Senior Bowl take place. There were some big standouts. One of the things I wanted to ask the listeners, and I want to bring this situation up as what would you take from it? Um, There was a situation that I had seen happening during the Senior Bowl. Um, If you you don't know, that is a kind of practice, couple-day camp sort of thing where, well, seniors that are college athletes have a chance to play in a game, get some footage on them. participate in some practices with NFL coaches. It's a great opportunity for seniors to try and uh, go out there and get a chance to make a name for themselves, meet some of the NFL coaches and then play in front of them. Sometimes guys draft stocks can rise a lot from it, sometimes it can drop. Now, over the years, the senior bowl it's it's not the end, it's not the end all be all, kind of like the NFL combine. I call it the underwear olympics because, you know, a guy that runs a bad 40 time, it doesn't mean he's terrible. Uh, perfect example, the Lions' number one receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, he had a slow 40 time. It was like a four-five something. Yeah, I don't think his speed is a problem at all in the NFL. He just came off of an all-pro season. So just because you can't run fast in PJs doesn't mean your game speed isn't fast. It doesn't mean everything, similar to the senior bowl here. But there's always things that we overanalyze when it comes to uh, prospects. A couple things that I wanted to ask questions on what you would think. And I, I want to interact more with the audience as we go today, but when it comes to Senior Bowl stuff, who helps their stock? Does it help going to the senior bowl? Sometimes people sit out on this because they're, you know, they're afraid of injury. And I completely understand it. We've seen what happens to a college athlete if they get hurt at the wrong time, right before draft day. They can fall from a first-round pick to undrafted. They can fall, you know, 40 spots, 50 spots, and that can affect their money by a lot. We we all know that. So sometimes people sit out of this kind of stuff. Sometimes people go there. Sometimes people are afraid to go there and get exposed. Personally, for me, I think it shows a lot of credit to everyone who shows up to the senior bowl. It shows that they want this spot in the NFL. They want to meet the coaches Just saying, when it comes to getting a job in this world, it does help if you actually meet the people that could potentially be hiring you. So making a face to the name, I think that desperately helps. Showing what you're capable of, maybe showing leadership qualities amongst players. I think this is all stuff coaches want to look for. You know, not every guy on this list is going to be a first-round draft pick, but if you're seeing attitude-based, you know, A lot of these guys don't know each other. They all went to different schools. So if they're coming in and there's a guy that can lead a group, even though he's just met them, maybe he shows that he could be a captain on your team someday. I think that there are important things to it. I think showing up to this also shows that you're willing to jeopardize your uh, stock, you know, your made up stock on where you're supposed to be drafted and go up against other people that could be taking your job. You know, if you're the number one D tackle, and you get worked by a third round offensive tackle, it might drop a little bit. But, and, you know, vice versa, if you go around and ball out there, it might be able to help you out more. I give more credit to people that attend the Senior Bowl because they're jeopardizing it. They want to have that opportunity. Eventually, if you're someone that sits out because you're afraid you'll get exposed at the NFL combine or you're afraid you'll get exposed at the Senior Bowl, hate to say it. But eventually when you're in the NFL, you're going to get exposed. Even the greatest players in football history have one big play where they look like complete idiots. Even the best of the best. Tom Brady has plays that made him look like a complete idiot. Aaron Rodgers. Some of the best defensive players get fooled sometimes. Sometimes the best offensive players fumble the ball, turn it over. So everyone looks like a fool. Everyone makes mistakes. It's why it's a human game. But I think sitting out of this kind of stuff, sitting out of the combine, sitting out of the senior bowl. I think it shows a slight chance that either you're a little nervous and don't believe that you're up to the par with some of these other guys, or again, maybe they're nursing an injury or something like that. But overall, what do you think about this kind of stuff with the senior bowl? Do you, what do you take away from stuff like this? A perfect example, during one of the practices of the senior bowl, there was a LSU D tackle that kind of got locked up by a, um, Offensive lineman or a center from uh, UConn. And in his frustration, he decides to pretty much start a fight with the UConn player to the point where he ripped his helmet off. You know, what do you think of something like this? How do you think that behavior analysis happens at this level? A lot of these coaches want to see what gets you to tick at times. You know, are you a guy that's cool and calm under pressure? Are you a guy that needs to bring energy to the team? Or are you a guy that, you know, when you know the you know ish hits the fan you you decide to fold up or maybe get aggressive towards your teammates to the point where you're more of a toxic person in the locker room this is all stuff that they get from stuff like the senior bowl and i think it is important um espn came up with a list of some of the guys that really showed out from the senior bowl some of the biggest names From this list that have a chance to be first round draft picks, Michael Penix, Jr. We all know him, the quarterback from Washington that led them to the national championship game uh, in a loss to Michigan. Bo Nix, the Oregon quarterback, potential, um, let me see, Quinion Mitchell, a Toledo corner, and Xavier Leggett. um, They are all supposed to be graded as around first round guys the fact that they are going to be able to get three days with NFL coaches I think is huge. Perfect example, a top prospect like Quinion Mitchell, he played at the University of Toledo. He wasn't at Bama and Georgia and LSU. He wasn't at one of these big schools. And so the fact that he's going to be able to play with better competition from bigger schools, it shows that he'll be able to hold his own at a higher level as well. So I think that there is a very good value to it, and I think there's a reason that people should rise and fall from these draft picks. Or from these um, showing, Senior Bowl and Combine. Uh, It doesn't mean everything, and it doesn't define a player forever. Again, um, from an NBA level, uh, Kevin Durant failed to barely do bench presses without struggling with it. And then, you know, he was one of the worst when it came to bench press in the entire class. I'm pretty sure bench press isn't involved when it comes to being able to shoot a basketball, though. And now Kevin Durant's, you know, Hall of Fame caliber player. So again, it doesn't mean everything, but. I think there are some things that you can at least pick when it comes to maybe a player's brain, seeing how they behave, how do they work with teammates, are they more of the alpha male that wants to run the whole thing, are they more of a guy that just falls right in line and doesn't make a mistake, those are all important things that take place when it comes to build building up a, a draft class, who do you want to take, who do you want to build, there's a couple good quarterbacks in here, so it's just kind of interesting for me. It's something that I've always liked to see, and uh, I I wonder if there's other people out here. I hope this is a segment that um, we're all kind of interested in here. So we're taking a quick break. After that, we're going to talk about some of the other headlines popping up around the league, and I'm going to kind of do a uh, look at the Super Bowl without a prediction. We have have plenty of time still, but I kind of want to tell you where I'm leaning right now with the Super Bowl. I want to give you off-season talk, but again, we got the biggest game of the season coming up next weekend. So, or two weekends from now. So, we'll be talking about that in part 2 today. We'll be right back. All right, it's on to our second segment of the day, Super Bowl talk. I will say when it comes to the Super Bowl, we've had conspiracy theories for a long time. It's all rigged, it's all fake. It's just a facade. It's not real. It's fugazi. It's rigged. It's scripted. It's been tampered with. I've heard all of it. But I will say, if it is, then nobody else should be watching the NFL season next year. The new Super Bowl logo for next season came out, and it is Honolulu blue and orange. Browns, Lions, Super Bowl confirmed. We don't even need to watch it next year. You know, obviously, everyone thinks it's rigged, so i'll just crown it congratulations detroit lions on their first super bowl appearance cleveland browns maybe the cincinnati Bengals, the team that's got to have orange in it maybe the dolphins they got like a hint of orange it's it though you know you're a chiefs fan don't need to watch next year 49ers fan we don't need to watch next year cowboys fan you definitely don't need to watch next year if it's rigged just we've seen the colors of the logo so nobody else needs to watch it'll just be a fun year for Browns, Bengals, uh, maybe the Dolphins, and then the Lions, because it, it, it there is no other blue like the uh, Lions-Honolulu blue. So that's it. Every other team, every other fan base, just give up. Your team lost. I mean, if you want to watch, you can figure out on how your team lost, but uh, it's over. Like, next season is over for you. It's It's the Detroit Lions and then an orange team in the AFC. So now that we know what the Super Bowl is next year, I'll give you a prediction on that maybe later this week. Or we can stop saying it's effing rigged and just say it's it's just a color. Because guess what? It's purple and red, and there's not a purple team in this year er, in this year's Super Bowl. So maybe we can just stop saying the rigged crap and, and move on with our day. Um, Chiefs, 49ers. This is going to be a very interesting game, and I've heard a lot of people analyzing it differently coming into this, there are some takeaways that I really are I'm really focused on when it comes to what could this game look like. To start things off, we have seen the San Francisco 49ers pull crazy comebacks where you could argue they did not look like the better team in either of their last uh, either of their playoff games this year. They looked bad against the the Packers. If it wasn't for some forced turnovers, they would have lost that game. And then against the Lions, even when they were playing at their best, the San Francisco 49ers, they didn't look like the Lions did in the first half. The Lions just absolutely self-imploded in the second half. And so this is a 49ers team that has started with deficits, which Is impressive, the fact that they can play from behind and still win games. It shows that this is a veteran squad that knows that the game is not over despite the number on the board. That's something that a Kyle Shanahan-led team, once upon a time, would have folded on. I even mentioned it in my prediction of the game. I said, my Lions, they're going to get out to an early lead, and they're going to be able to preserve this lead because the 49ers struggle from playing behind. Well, they haven't. They've actually excelled at it in the postseason, of course. Brock Purdy. Has he, he is so polarizing. He's like, I have never seen a group of people that either think he's the greatest thing ever or he's the worst thing ever. No, he is not Zach Wilson on an all pro team. He is much better than that. His decision-making, his throwing accuracy is better than that. You've seen some of the throws he was able to pull off in the Lions game. You would argue if you flipped him and Sam Darnold, the, the 49ers are not winning at all yes he has made a couple mistakes in the postseason he threw a pretty ugly interception against the lions but that does not necessarily mean that he is a bad quarterback i think he is very fine i think this is a very solid 49ers team and i think this team is built to excel and make him a very good complementary piece to a really good run game you have weapons george kittle debo samuel brandon iuk Whoever was calling him, it was like Brandon Anik at one point. I was hearing that on uh, the radio one day, and then I was also hearing, um, yeah, it's it's Brandon Ayuk. There's not an N in in his last name. I don't know, but uh, and then there was Christian McCaffrey, of course. Uh, this team has been able to defy all odds at times, and it kind of feels like there's this destiny story happening with them. That you know, despite how bad the play has been in the first half of games, it's worked. Here's the big notice that I'll say when it comes to the Super Bowl, though. Kansas City is not the team that you can play from behind on. The Lions, despite being a very explosive offense this year, they have been historically bad in the third quarter this season. Go back and look at all of their games. The Lions had several opportunities to win multiple games this year that they ended up blowing because of cold starts. They were up against the Chicago Bears on the road and then did nothing in the second half of the game until it was too late for them to come back. They were up 13-10, and they lost by double digits. They couldn't do anything against Chicago. How about the Seattle Seahawks game? The Lions were up by double digits at one point in that game. Coming out of halftime, they fumbled it on the first play, Uh, David Montgomery fumbled, and the Seahawks made it a one-score game immediately. And Jared Goff threw a couple interceptions in that game. And so, again, this is the exact example of the 49ers took advantage of an opportunity. However, when it comes to Kansas City, this is not the high-flying shootout Chiefs that we once knew and loved. This is a gritty, completely different team. And I am honestly scared. For San Fran for a couple of reasons. The Chiefs, on offense, this is a team that if they get a lead, they don't necessarily care about putting up multiple points and just dropping a bomb on them and dropping 30. No, this is a team that runs the ball, burns clock, has eight, nine-minute drives, and just soaks up time of possession. If the 49ers are not careful and they get off to another slow start like we've seen throughout this season, throughout this, this postseason especially, the defense of the Chiefs may not allow them to come back into the game. Another thing, we talked about defenses. Yes, the 49ers have been able to spark comebacks in the second half of games against the Lions and the Packers. The Lions ended up being just under a middle of the pack defense this year, especially in the secondary. So a team that gets off to huge leads like the Lions, then shoot themselves in the foot because the the opposing offense is now just going to throw the ball 50 times. They're not going to run the ball and kill clock. They need to try and score as fast as possible. And what do you know, the Lions secondary that's been prone to giving up big plays gave up too many big plays in this one. How about the Packers? They had one of the worst defenses in all of football this season, to the point where despite making it to the divisional round of the playoffs, they fired their D coordinator, Joe Barry. So the Lions and the Packers were not great defenses, yet they were getting stops on them uh, on San Fran at times, and they were able to do well enough to sustain a halftime lead. So when it comes to the Chiefs, This is a much better defense. Chris Jones is a veteran pass rusher, edge rusher, but he also can play up front as a D tackle. He is one of the best defensive players in all of football right now, and this Chiefs team looks amazing on defense with him. They have a great young secondary as well, and they just have overall solid veteran pieces, whether it's on the D line or it's in uh, the linebacking core to help really Shut down teams. They can make a team play their exact opposite game they want to play. I said it in the postseason. First round, they play this air raid um, Dolphins team. They couldn't complete a pass to save their lives. How about in the second round, they play the Buffalo Bills on the road? Another air raid team. All the Bills could do in that game was run the ball. They changed the absolute, like, they, they changed the way teams play. How about the Ravens? They ran it eight times, and they led the NFL in rush attempts this year. Lamar Jackson should not be the leading rusher on the team when it comes to attempts. You have Gus Edwards. They had a, a whole stable of running backs, yet they they just chose not to use them. They passed way too much because the run game wasn't working enough. And so when it comes to Kansas City, they are forcing offenses to play a type of game that is uncomfortable to them. And that is very important in a big game situation. If the other team is starting to panic and play games that don't make them feel comfortable, I have a worry for San Francisco. Yes, we have seen Brock Purdy take over games, but we've also seen Brock Purdy put his team in some stressful situations. I think that when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers offense, It revolves around Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel setting up Brock Purdy for low-stress plays where he can complete them at a high level. That does not mean Brock Purdy is terrible. Shut up before people say that. What I'm saying is for a young quarterback who has only been a second-year starter and hasn't even completed a full season of football yet, it is important to make sure you're putting a quarterback in situations that are less stressful. Yes, there are quarterbacks like Mahomes that are statistically amazing at beating blitz packages. But you know what? Mahomes is a one-of-one. You don't believe me? Every other quarterback in NFL history statistically struggles against the blitz, except Mahomes, who is better when there's a blitz. He makes people miss, and then he finds the open guy. He's great at it. So anyone saying Brock Purdy sucks because he gets pressured— doesn't understand that every quarterback struggles. Anytime you hear someone say, well, yeah, well, when the pocket starts collapsing, he struggles. That's every quarterback in NFL history. It's a nothing. It's a straw man argument. You can make any quarterbacks on that. You know, Tom Brady wasn't a mobile guy. As soon as the pocket collapsed, he, he struggled. Yeah, because he runs like a he runs a 40 time in eight minutes. He's not fast. He's not athletic. It's everybody. So Brock Purdy needs to be in low-stress situations. When they can set up third and shorts, second and shorts, one, that allows big play ability. It gives them an extra down where if they want to throw deep to a Brandon Ayuk or maybe George Kittle or Debo Samuel, they will be able to. On top of it, it'll set up situations where McCaffrey could get big explosive runs because the defense won't know what is coming from San Francisco. That's kind of the big thing that helps offenses out and makes them look strong. The, the, when the Detroit Lions were playing San Francisco, they were making that defense look ridiculous. This vaulted 49ers defense with Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Chase Young, they were looking ridiculous out there because the Lions had them confused on all fronts. They could run, they could pass, they could do whatever they wanted and score. Until the run game stopped and it forced the Lions to pass on third and long situations, that is when it really stopped working for Detroit and the meltdown started to begin. When they had to play a style of offense that they didn't want to do. They don't want Jared Goff passing 45 times. They want to be able to run it a ton and then use Jared Goff to get a big explosive play. And that's honestly very similar to the 49ers. The Lions and the 49ers have a very similar style of offense. Run-centric, the Lions have two good running backs. The, The 49ers have Christian McCaffrey, and then they have those dynamic... Um, yards-after-catch receivers like Debo Samuel, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, George Kittle. They're almost identical when it comes to that type of offense. When it comes to the defensive side, though, that's what made San Francisco better in the long run. And I, I think when it comes to this matchup, you're seeing a team of almost destiny that's been able to overcome struggle and then maybe a team that is born into becoming the next dynasty that we will remember this decade. Once upon a time, the New England Patriots, it looked like they were dead. They were always a solid team, but they weren't, you know, winning Super Bowls as much as we thought. No. Anytime we thought that Patriots team was dead until the day Tom Brady left, they always found a way to come back and win Super Bowls. When you thought it was all over. When you thought it, there was no chance. Oh, it's, you know, man, Tom Brady lost to Eli Manning again. He'll never make it back. He's getting too old. Yeah, he won like three Super Bowls after he lost to Eli Manning. It, it's, it's insane. How about, oh, he'll never come back from 28 to three? That's whatever it's starting to happen with the Chiefs. You're seeing a team that once was the young, fun team, the hero that everyone wanted to dethrone the, the Patriots. They thought they were the best threat. Young Mahomes, if you remember that, you know, the narratives that came out of Kansas City once upon a time, before Mahomes really became himself and they lifted up a Lombardi trophy. Andy Reid was a playoff choker. The Chiefs kept, you know, were one of the more miserable teams in franchise history or in NFL history. They had, they had, it's been so long since they had won something meaningful. And again, it, they ended their Super Bowl drought and they became heroes. Now they are the new villain dynasty. They're annoying. They're in the media too much. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. I get it. They're all over, and I'll be honest. They're on TV and social media even more than the Patriots were when they were good. The Patriots, they just kick your favorite team's ass and and take a Lombardi Trophy. You didn't see G- Rob Gronkowski on every other commercial until he retired. You know, Travis Kelsey. I swear, I've seen three straight. Like, I'll have a commercial break, and there's three straight ads with Travis Kelsey's face in it. And so, yeah, I think I think it's just over done i'm not going to get into the taylor swift stuff because people are still getting upset about it honestly for me yeah i find it a little annoying that it's always posted about i feel like it there's other things that can be posted about but again in the world of social media i get it i can't talk about stuff that doesn't get attention taylor swift is the biggest pop star on the planet she is going to get attention if your job is based on getting clicks Making stories about Taylor Swift is more important than talking about uh, the Pickleball World Championship. Sorry to those that enjoy that. It's why I do NFL talk. If I did table tennis uh, podcasting, nobody would listen to it. So I understand it. Put up with it. It's what happens when a team is good. They get to reap the rewards that come with being a good team. You get all the TV deals. You get all of the primetime games. You get talked about on ESPN. You get talked about on podcasts. You get advertisements. So now they're the new villain team. They once were the cool, hot shot young team, and now they're the villain team. It happens in sports. I'm telling you this right now. My Lions, it felt like America wanted them to win. I'll be honest, in an ideal world, I hope that my Lions are the most hated team on the planet because you know what that means? We're doing something right. People are tired of us. I already was seeing Minnesota Viking fans hoping that we were going to lose to San Francisco. They would rather have one of the most Successful and privileged teams in sports history to go to another Super Bowl over the Lions, making it to their first, it means that someone's getting a little salty. And so I'm completely fine being a hated team. It means people are jealous that, of what you have. Chief fans, you should be happy. You should be happy you're hated because it means you've been able to endure at, uh, some of the greatest seasons in your franchise's history. And you got to be, you know, you got to be alive to see the Chiefs at their highest they might ever be, in in, in sports history. I mean, when Mahomes is done and hangs it up, you're never going to find another Mahomes. You might find another great quarterback, but you're not finding another Mahomes. And so, when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you're seeing a dynasty on the rise. This is a team. No matter what happens, oh, Tyree has gone. They're not going to be the same anymore. They won the Super Bowl last year. Oh, the wide receivers are even worse. The Chiefs look vulnerable. They're going to get beat. And they still do it. Mahomes can't win a playoff game on the road. He did it. Well, he can't win a playoff game against his rival, Josh Allen, in Buffalo. He did it. Well, he's not going to go beat the Baltimore. Oh, wait, sorry. He did it. And so I don't necessarily like it. When I defend it and I say, hey, the Chiefs are really good. There is nothing outside of the media sphere of annoyance that I am also agreeing with. I'm saying on the field, they are a damn good football team. Anyone that says this is a scripted league, you know what? Let's do it right now. I'll go back to the Chiefs real quick. Anyone can talk about penalties and BS. Um, In their three playoff games, they only gave up 20 points one time. They held the Dolphins to 7, and they held the Ravens to 10 points. I don't care even if it was rigged. They could have rigged it for the Dolphins and the Ravens, and neither of those teams would have won. Lamar Jackson sucked in that game. He had one of his worst performances the entire season. This is a guy who's probably going to win the MVP award, and he had two turnovers in a playoff game. Very rarely are you going to get away with two turnovers and win a postseason playoff game. The Chiefs defense has been able to shut down opponents and make them look foolish. To think that this is just a a mediocre team that has been, you know, bought and paid for to get to the Super Bowl is ridiculous. I thought that, you know, my original Super Bowl prediction were the Bills. But honestly, coming into that game, I picked them only because I picked them to win the Super Bowl. But the back of my mind was, yikes, this Chiefs team might do it again. And they did. I picked the Chiefs to beat the Ravens. I thought that that was a pretty safe pick. One of them is the most experienced team and you cannot trade experience in this league. When playing at the highest level in the Super Bowl is just another day at the office for you, it it truly means that you are in a level of, in a league of your own. You know how many players would be sweating bullets in a situation like that in sports for me. There's times where I feel so nervous about a big situation or a big moment. And, and I get in my own head. Do you think the Chiefs are doing that? They've been to three of the last four Super Bowls. Again, it's a big moment, but it's another day at the office for them. They're calm, they're cool, they're collected. They know even when everything is falling apart, they'll be fine. And again, when it comes to the teams that won in this postseason and lost in this postseason, it came down to experience. It almost was a pyramid of experience. The Ravens, they're a team of a winning culture. Yeah, they're going to beat the Houston Texans and their young team. But then when it comes to playing the Chiefs, they're much more experienced than them. How about the Lions? They weren't as experienced as the 49ers, but Jared Goff and the Lions have done more when it comes to being a successful team than, than the Buccaneers have in recent years. So that it, it's, it's a pyramid of, of experience, and as of right now, nobody except Kansas City has that level of experience. So it'll be interesting to see what takes place. In this Super Bowl, I don't want to give the prediction yet. I've seen some people that have done it already, but I kind of want to wait till next week when it's actually the week of the Super Bowl. I I will say I'm leaning Chiefs right now. I don't know um, if that'll be my final prediction or not, but it is just hard for me to go against a team that has shown that they always can manage to get it done, no matter how pretty, no matter how ugly. And it's hard for me to pick against them right now. That'll be the end of today's episode. I appreciate everybody for listening. You guys are amazing out there, especially the everyday listeners. I will always be shouting you guys out because you're what keeps this podcast running every day. My name is Max. This has been Max Sports. I will see you all tomorrow. Adios, everybody.